You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 269. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by Squarespace. If you need to start a new website for whatever reason, if you're starting a business, if you're starting a blog, if you just want to start something where you can document your life or some experience or business online, I highly recommend you check out Squarespace. And then I recommend you pick a good photographer to tailor the photos to the template you select in Squarespace. Squarespace does such a beautiful, beautiful job making beautiful templates that one Once you have beautiful photos, you literally look like you've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on your website like many other people have, but you have half the problems and literally a fraction of the price. This is so easy to use. I highly recommend it. We've used it here many Squarespace sites over the course of Team Lively, and I really personally recommend you check it out. You can try a free trial by going over to squarespace.com slash lively, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code lively to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. And now for where I am. I'm in Sydney and I'm working on that secret project I've been telling you about. It's exciting to now feel like I've finally fully transitioned out of the flow mode of flow with intention online mode and into or getting into this new chapter of the evolution of Just Lively Creative and what is to come. In addition, today's episode, you guys, this is such a good one. I am so excited to share this with you. This is with Aaron Doty. He's back on the show. Aaron Doty has an amazing YouTube channel all about expanding your awareness and consciousness, law of attraction, and so much more. He is like me. He's an Abraham story. He's done a deep, deep dive into this work and traveled around the world similarly in some ways to myself in in that we're just seeking to know more, understand more, and share what we're learning with others. So this is definitely as far as an LOA Q&A episode, someone who's deeply versed in this work. And what's exciting about this episode is that we're talking about reality transurfing and how that affects or connects to the law of attraction. Reality transurfing is a book or Actually, it's a series of five books that I didn't realize was five books at the time because it was in one book on Amazon. So when I was reading, it was one text. But anyways, that's why it took me four months to finish. I spent four months last year in 2017 writing this book down in my usual alignment fashion and loving every moment of it or at least most of the moments. It's a pretty long book. But the point of it is Aaron also found Reality Transurfing and has decided to share a lot of these processes and approaches that are very similar in some ways and also slightly emphasize other aspects of the work rather than just how Abraham Hicks does. So this is an amazing conversation for us to be able to talk about a book we both love and hopefully share hints and tips and tricks that you can use just from listening to the show based on this amazing work. Let's go to the show. Aaron, thank you for coming on the show again. Thanks for having me back on. I'm excited to be here with you. I am so excited to have you here too. Last time you were here, we talked about Law of Attraction, and this time we are doing it as an LOA Q&A, but we're going to be talking about a book a lot of my Instagram followers have seen that I read for four months, and when I saw your video on it, I was like, all right, Aaron, time to come back on. What's the book you are potentially most obsessed with at the moment? Uh, it's a book called Reality Transurfing, and it's by an author named Vadim Zeland, who is a quantum physicist in Russia. And it's a book that's just now becoming a lot more well-known. It's been translated to a whole bunch of different languages now. 
And in my view, it's kind of like the best kept secret that not a lot of people know about, but it is so powerful. I know. I went on a random date from an like a Tinder date, basically, with a guy from Chicago in in Sydney. And it was a nice dinner. But the best thing I got out of that was when I told him what I was into, he said he had a friend that liked that book. And so I downloaded it or a sample of it in March last year. But it wasn't until, ironically, I was on the Abraham Hicks cruise and I was bored with the book I was reading and my intuition or inner being kind of put that cover which is kind of weird and ugly, into my mind. So I said, oh, that's the next book I should read. And I was so happy six or seven months later that I was reading it, even though it sat in my Kindle bookshelf for quite a long time. How did you find it? I was actually at lunch with a friend and we were talking about some type of like law of attraction type principles. And he said something about framework. And he was talking about some type of framework. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you haven't read Reality Transurfing? And he said it almost like, like, of course, you should have read it, you know? And he's like, yeah, you would really dig Reality Transurfing. So I went home, and he kind of explained it, some of the principles to me. And I was like, wow, that sounds like something I'd definitely been to. I went home, and I downloaded it, and I started reading it. And I started to apply it. And there's a couple principles that I started to apply. And like the results were coming so much easier than normal. Reality Transurfing, more so than just a manifestation process, is actually more of a philosophy for the way you see life. And when I started to adopt it and started to practice it, I was like, okay, this is cool, but let me see. Let me practice it. Let me um, see if, how it works. And I did that, and things started happening you know, more easily. So then I was like, okay, I have to share this on my YouTube channel. And that's why now the focus on my YouTube channel has been mainly me going in the direction of explaining more reality transurfing to make it digestible, easy to understand. And I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, thank you so much for introducing me to reality transurfing. It's changed my life. This principle, you know, like decrease importance, you know, that's one of the principles of the book has totally changed the way I go about everything and things are happening more easily than ever. So yeah, that was kind of how I found out about it, kind of planted the seed. And then I started practicing it. And then from there, I'm like, I have to share this. I have to start talking about this. This for me was kind of like the next step because I've made a video a day on YouTube since February of last year. So almost three or 400 days straight, I've been making daily videos and most of them have been on law of attraction. And I just felt like I needed to take things to the next level. And reality transurfing is definitely one of those next levels because it, it takes into consideration understanding quantum physics understanding the idea of parallel realities and not just the theories of it, but like how can we actually apply it? So that's how I found it. And that's how I ended up integrating it into my teachings on YouTube. I love it. And so everyone knows I'm really partial to Abraham. You're more of a Bashar than an Abraham. And the beautiful thing is there's a great analogy that I heard once and it's just so cool. It's like if three blind men were all touching an elephant, one's touching the trunk, one's touching a foot, and one's touching the side of the elephant. Each one would describe the elephant slightly differently based on their experience of what they're touching, right? They can't see the whole elephant, but they're touching a part. So you've got, you know, one would say it's like a snake, one would say it's like a tree, and one would say it's like an immovable mass. Now, they're all true, but they're not necessarily speaking the same description of the elephant because they're having different perspectives and points of view. So for those that are listening, like Bashar, you know, reality transurfing or Abraham, it's often similar principles or even the same principles, just like even if you depending on how you look at different religious interpretations of texts from thousands of years ago, you can even find some of these threads woven there too. So 
you are partial to the description right now of reality as reality transurfing shares it i still find so much value from the abraham style and they're going to be terms and aspects they pull apart more detailed and with new terms so as you share them I'll kind of tie this back for anyone that is familiar with Abraham and say, oh, no, no, they're not really saying that. And I'll say, oh, this is how they've shared it. But sometimes hearing a new source describe it helps you see it and understand it even deeper, which is actually what your channel on YouTube and my podcast are also here to do, right? To help us flesh this out even further. So what's the first term that comes or concept from reality transurfing that comes to mind for you that you love and has really helped you from the book? Uh, the one that I think has helped me the most and also I'd say the YouTube subscribers the most, my audience, has been decreased importance. So the idea with this is understanding that anytime we put something on a pedestal, so say, for example, we want to attract something into our life and we make it important, like we really want to attract something into our life, like maybe it's somebody they want to attract uh, somebody to be in a relationship with. So they're thinking of somebody they might want to be in a relationship with and they put that person on a pedestal. And the moment they make them very important and almost like it's just something they really, really want, what happens is metaphorically speaking, there are balancing factors that come into play that have to balance that out. So it's like we almost wouldn't get that because we would have resistance within our vibration or within us wanting it. So the key to this is to be okay either way as to whether we get it or not. And this comes from a point of observation. So I would say that what makes reality transurfing so powerful is that it helps us learn to learn how to let go more so because it's always a paradox, right? It's like we want something to create something in our life. We have to want it and desire it, but not resist it. Or we have to let go of the outcome where it seems so paradoxical. But what reality transurfing does is it helps us understand it from a deeper point of view when it comes to neutralizing the energy, because anytime we say, I really, really want that, at a certain level from a vibration point of view, if we don't move that into intention, we are also saying, I really, really don't have it. Because I really, really want means that that want is wants something that's over there. That thing over there isn't currently over here. So with reality transurfing and the way you can relate it to Abraham Hicks is it's about understanding that that must be translated into either one of two things to either intention like if I have a desire right now to put up my hand my arm and I don't put up my arm the idea is that that desire didn't really do anything because it wasn't translated into intention the other side of this is transmuting that into action if I were to put up my hand or my arm and I do that then actually that desire serves a purpose so desire can be powerful if it is translated into intention, and the idea behind reality transurfing is that there are an infinite number of probable experiences we can have, and what will determine what experiences we do have is based on our intention more so than anything else. If we simply set more intentions in our life, which you can relate to Abraham Hicks with segment intending, we'll see that that's a powerful way for us to create what we want in our life because then we're actually having a direction for what is called a life 
track. So I'd say that's one of the most powerful ways is understanding how to take intention and how not to fuel it with the desire and the importance. Because anytime we make something important, like attracting a relationship, we create resistance. And normally that person that we're trying to attract into our life will feel that resistance and they won't be attracted back to us because we are putting that desperation out and that attachment to outcome. And that's why it's important to let go of the outcome, have the awareness that you're okay you're okay either way, and to create from a more of observation point of view. But that observation point of view doesn't mean that you're not connected to any emotion. The emotion just should come from the heart. So it's all about finding your purpose, living passionately, and that's when you get into Abraham Hicks when it comes to entering the vortex. So. I know I just gave like a long explanation of all of that, but it's mainly decreasing the level of importance. When you do that, you more so resonate with what you want to experience and transmuting the desire into either intention or action. And as you do that, you give an outlet for that excess potential because anytime something's more important than it has to be, we create excess potential. And the way excess potential works itself out is either through things happening in the opposite type way because we're attached to the outcome or us learning how to translate that into action or intention. All right. So I want to actually, and this is something about the book I found the most confusing element that I don't think he described very well. And as I hear you share it, I can also think of the listener also feeling like it's not described as well as it could be. So I want to flesh it out with you because maybe you got this more. I just didn't think he explained it very well. So let's go back to the difference. Like you just said, there are three concepts I want us to pay attention to right now that you shared. You said there is desire for something, there is intention for something, and then there is action for something. With the arm was the example. Now, it's not really clear. I think most people will say it's their intention when they're at, we have to look at, there's two things here, guys. There's the vocabulary we're using, and there's the vibration we're emitting, okay? So a lot of people could say, you know, Aaron, look, Jess has been talking about intention for 10 years now. I'm intending for this relationship, right? Okay, fine. Turn it, say the word intention instead of saying the word desire and I've got it. That's all I have to do. You're not vibrating differently necessarily. So a lot of people might say they're intending for something to happen, but you're saying there's a vibrational difference between intending and desire. But what I find pretty confusing about it is to say, all right, what's the vibration of intention? Here's the thing, though, Aaron, this is what I don't think he explained well. What is the difference between those three vibrations? I get that the desire could be seen as thirstiness and the lack, right? So you're really, really resistant to the fact that you don't have it. You're very thirsty for it. You don't have it. That's desire. Okay, get that. But what's the difference between the vibration of intention and the vibration of action? Because I think that's more confusing. How can you have a difference in those vibrations because I can understand the action vibration, you're just lifting the arm. What's the difference with intention? You're not necessarily lifting the arm, but the vibration's somehow different? Well, it's just the energy underneath it. It's like the idea of there's the words that we say and there's the energy underneath the words that we say. And most of communication is actually nonverbal. So it's kind of like that aspect of it. It's more of the energetic aspect of it. So it's about like becoming aware of the energy underneath what we're doing. Like I can have an intention or I could have, you know, I could take the action of going for a walk right now, but it could just be me going for a walk right now. But if I have an intention that I'm going to walk to the stop sign and back, it gives it a little bit more 
direction. And I could also say I'm not just going to walk to the stop sign and back. I'm going to end up running for a portion of it. But isn't that still an action? Like, I'm still confused. It is still an action as well. It's like saying, you know, uh, well, if you're saying what's the difference between words and the energy underneath the words? Well, they're both words, but it's just the energy underneath it. Like, let me give you an example of the difference between like maybe desire and pure intention. So like the idea is you want to go get a newspaper at the newspaper stand or something like that. And this is the one of the analogies they use in the book. It would be you go to the newspaper stand to get a newspaper. You have the intention to go do it. There is no excess potential created, no desire that is going to balance and, you know, create an imbalance in anything because it's just something you're so neutral about. There's no doubt, like, can I go do this? Or what if this happens? What if this happens? That's just pure intention. But the idea is to realize that we can apply that towards other things in our life. We can apply that towards what we're doing. And I'd be honest, I don't think it really matters. The, the Like action and intention, that's just two ways of explaining a way to dissipate the excess potential. But in general, I'd say if you have intention and you have intention in a direction that you're going with the action that you're doing, then that makes it even more powerful. Like, you know, segment intending, you get in your car, uh, you're going to take the action, you're going to drive to your job. But you could also set intention that with that drive, you're going to set the intention that you have a safe drive, that you are friendly to the other drivers. If someone wants to get over, you're going to let them get over. You're going to have a good, safe time while you're going. You're going to feel comfortable while you do it, and you're going to listen to an audiobook, and you're going to feel that expansion as you drive. There's more feeling in the consciousness for it. Exactly. All right. So it's the, the qualitative aspects of that action playing out. Yes, exactly. Okay, that's great, because he did not explain that very well, I would say, from the book. No, he didn't. Even as you were explaining, I was like, hmm, how could I explain that? I know, I think it's very tricky. Because if I was like, if I really had to teach that, I found it confusing the way he described it. So here's another way of saying that, just to break it down for you guys, too, since you haven't read the book, necessarily. Okay, thirstiness is the desire factor. So you want it, but you don't have it. And you're more aware. That's like Abraham saying you have a lot of resistance to something. Okay. So then intention says, this is the feeling I want to have. The intention is to have that feeling while the action is experienced and the action is just doing it. I actually did this today with my accountant. So my accountant experience has been is not always on top of things. And I've got this story based on past experience that I've been attracting and resonating with. It's gone a back and forth kind of thing between us because I've known him for about 10 years. So I kind of know how this tends to go. And I decided as we're transitioning to a new accountant now that I'm moving and being abroad that I wanted this last tax season to be really easy, fluid, and flowing. Now, it hasn't always been that way, but I made that intention and I wasn't thirsty for it. I wasn't upset if it didn't go that way this morning when I had the call with him. Before the call, I thought, I want this to be easy. I want this to be fluid. I want this to be flowing. And I didn't feel anything other than those feelings. I wasn't worried or making it too important. Like we've said earlier, I didn't have the desire for it. I had the intention for it, but I was pretty low stakes. It didn't matter too much to me either way. So therefore I had no importance placed upon the not having of it. And as I went through the action of the call, which could have been easy or not easy, the call was going to happen. I don't know how it was going to play out with him, but I had set the intention and actually the experience of it matched the intention. So the quality of the call 
the dialogue going back and forth and things getting resolved was really easy. And then I had a to-do list of things that I actually got done in 15 minutes rather than what I had typically had, which is this whole harried to-do list and I was gonna put it off for a few days and then he would put it off. Instead, because of that segment intending with no importance, it actually manifested exactly how I wanted it and even resulted in a faster resolution of all of it than I even imagined was possible. There you go. Okay, so it's the idea of the qualitative experience of that action that's really the difference between desire, action, and intention. Exactly. So when you were calling and intending to find the right person, the intention was underneath. You just you could just call, you know, random accounting offices. That's the action. But you can also set the intention that you meet the right person that, you know, is going to vibe with you and do everything the right way and, the, you know, be perfect for you. That's the intention. It's the energy underneath it with the outcome, the will that you have underneath it. Okay, and one of the other terms I'd love to talk about from reality transurfing that's not nearly described in detail from Abraham is the idea of a pendulum. Do you want to describe what a pendulum is? Yeah, first I remember when I was reading pendulum, I was like, what is this? It's kind of a funny name, you know what I mean? But I started reading more and more about it, and it made so much sense to me uh, when you think about it in the terms of collective consciousness. And it's easier to understand is realizing that our thoughts have an electromagnetic type reality to it. That's something that Abraham Hicks also talks about. And the idea is that when multiple people get together and think similar thoughts, those thoughts create a thought structure. And that thought structure kind of creates an energy of itself. So this is when we get into things like social conditioning. This is when we get into things like there's pendulums just around every idea you can think of. There are pendulums being around certain sports teams. There are pendulums. I mean, there's pendulums around every sports teams. There's pendulums around being a certain label, whether you're from this country or this country, being American. There's uh, pendulums around what political party you may be affiliated with, whether you're Republican or Democrat or there's pendulums around absolutely everything. Now, the thing is, is many times we think that we're having our own thoughts. But if we are attached to any of those ideas, we may be actually thinking the thoughts of the pendulum. We may be thinking thoughts of those thought structures of what exists of the mass consensus. So like the social conditioning, and that is something that plays itself out. So many times we may be thinking that we have our own goals of what we want to accomplish, but they may actually be the goals of the social conditioning of us thinking, I need to want this because this is what's glorified in the media. This is what I was taught was what I need to be or the pendulums of maybe our um, parents telling us that we need to go do this and this and you know us kind of buying into that kind of pendulum. But the power is in the moment you become aware of the pendulums, the moment you become aware of these thought structures that want energy, anytime we give a charge to it, whether it is positive or negative, if you are a certain political affiliation and you fight the opposite one, the idea is that because you're fighting the opposite one, you're actually feeding that pendulum. So it's actually not ideal to fight any of the pendulums. It's about being aware of these thought structures that are running themselves out and how you can then be more aware of it and observe it and not give attention to it. This is what Abraham Hicks would call ignoring a vibration or like not paying attention to what is not wanted or not feeding into it. So it's more so about being aware of that because when you're aware of that, you can realize first off that your thoughts, that what you think is putting out an electromagnetic type energy that has a reality in of itself. 
So whatever you're fighting with, whether it's certain ideologies or whether it's certain uh, labels and society, that that's something you become entrained in. So the moment you become aware of it is the moment you start to take your power back and then you can set the intentions for what you want. So that's why sometimes it's not ideal to watch media. It's not ideal to watch the news or anything that brings you into a lower state of consciousness, because when you do that, you actually will perceive more of that and you're actually not even having your own thoughts. You may think you are, but you're mainly getting sucked into those pendulums, which continue to run themselves out. Okay, and let me just break this down even further. You did a great job. For those that are still going, what is a pendulum? Let me just give you a visualization in your mind as you're driving or walking or whatever you're doing. So a pendulum, if you think about it, what is that? If you think about like the old timey, very old timey guys, this is not hypnotism as we talk about it here with RTT, but you think about like you're getting very sleepy, your eyes are following a pendulum. There's basically, think of a necklace and you got a stone at the bottom and you're rocking it back and forth, okay? So watch that motion as I'm describing this, okay? I'm gonna make a really simple analogy. So kids in the cafeteria decide, someone gets the idea, I want green eggs for St. Patrick's Day coming up. Okay. So someone gets the idea and then they tell someone else, we should have green eggs on St. Patrick's Day. This actually happened in my first grade class, actually. I remember Chip threw up when he saw them. This is why this random idea and memory came up in my head. Yeah, this popped in my head. But let's just say someone gets the idea, we should have green eggs on St. Patrick's Day. They should dye the eggs green. They tell a friend and they go, yeah, we should have green eggs on St. Patrick's Day. And they tell a friend. And eventually the whole table's talking about green eggs, green eggs. And they're all pounding on the table. They're cheering for it. They tell the next table, here's what's going on. And then everybody all of a sudden in the cafeteria wants green eggs. Okay? So there's cheering. There's a lot of energy around one idea one person had that once the entire cafeteria has it, has created momentum. And now they're swinging, okay? So it's just one idea from one person that then created an energy that all of these people have adopted. They all have liked the idea. They've signed on to it. So then it's up to the chef and the teachers to decide, is this something we want to have in the cafeteria on St. Patrick's Day? Now, if the principal and the teachers decide they don't want to do this because there's bad chemicals in the green food coloring, for example, and they decide not to... Then there is momentum going back and forth between the teachers and the students, right? Now there's this force. There's this one ideology that says the green food coloring is bad. We shouldn't have it. And the other ones are like, we should have green eggs on St. Patrick's Day. That dialogue, that pushback that's coming from the other side is really getting the pendulum going. So once someone gets an idea and a bunch of people buy into it, and then there's an opposing force of another idea that says, no, now we have a pendulum. So when you say there's sport teams with pendulums, what that means is the Patriots, there are people that love the Patriots, and there are people that don't like the Patriots. There has to be a negative to the positive for the momentum to swing. So eventually one idea gets some momentum around it and then someone else has an opposing idea. So this is now when you say politics. Okay, Republicans have an ideology and then the Democrats have one. In order to have the Republicans, you have to have the Democrats. In order to have the energy of the pendulum, there has to be an opposing. So even with the criminal justice system, interestingly enough, or I want to say justice system like going to jail, but like looking at people trying, if you look at anything actually that's been 
in our consciousness thus far, okay, guys? So this is, we could say, yeah, you know, just like the women's rights, LGBT rights, we have to fight for them. They're not just given. There's this patriarchy, right? You have to fight the patriarchy in order for there to be a patriarchy. Exactly. So all those people that are fighting against are actually a part of the pendulum. This is why they're so tricky. You have to recognize you're probably putting energy into one point of view or the opposing point of view. And whenever you're putting that energy, you're putting what he Aaron described as importance, then you're in the pendulum. You're wasting your energy into opposing another ideal. So Aaron, does that describe what you're saying? Perfect. I love the analogy that you made. And I'll add to that as well. I mean, you can think of it normally who wins the presidential election will normally be whoever has the strongest pendulum. So it's the person that gets the most attention. That's normally the person who wins, whether it's positive attention or negative attention, because even the negativity will spin and create even more momentum around that person. And that's why whoever has the most attention will normally win. So it's like there's pendulums around everything you can imagine. There's pendulums within your job. If you have a job and it's like certain dynamics of politics at work, there's certain pendulums with the status of, you know, different bosses and upper management. There's pendulums around just about everything. But when you're aware of it, that's when you start to gain your power back because you don't have to feed it by putting your emotional energy and your charge into it and believing it's so important. Yes, basically what this all becomes is these become an aspect of our identity. So when you say, I am for the green eggs, or you are saying, I am not for the green eggs, when you're saying, I am for the patriots, or I'm not for the patriots, or I am a Republican, or I am a Democrat, I am for social justice, or I'm you know not even thinking about it, but I'm doing the opposite of what that is, right? So when we say these things, we have to recognize I am a vegan, and you're against those that are eating meat, you're putting energy into the meat consumption because you're playing into that energy of the identity. When you stop identifying as a human, really don't even identify with the label of human, as you are just a growth seeing being of consciousness and you remove all importance to your labels and identities, you're no longer feeding your own ego's desire to fit into an identity, which is ultimately its own desire to to fit into a pendulum. Exactly. I'm happy you said that too, because I live in Las Vegas, which is close to LA. And I get a lot of people ask me that why I don't make more videos on stuff like that on being vegan, and like promoting people that they should go vegan. And that's exactly why I don't talk about things like that. Because by opposing it, I'm actually adding energy to it. And by doing that, it's actually keeping that alive more so than anything else. So I remain neutral on that. I think that people have the free will and that the best thing you can do is to be yourself 100% and to take action from that point of view. And that's normally the best way to get people to change is by being just an example of somebody like that. But when people think about it, when people that have certain beliefs are trying to force them on you, your initial reaction is to do the absolute opposite. So it's more so about how can you just be yourself and let people, if they want, you know, do what they, what they're going to do not need to change them because if you make it more important, you are also creating that resistance. And then from that point of view, they can decide what they want to do. And if you're a good example and they're going to feel that off of you and they'll want to do whatever, you know, anyways. So it's more so about having that awareness with what you do. If you are against this or against that, maybe instead of fighting that, you know, that's like the whole Mother Teresa quote, you know, or whatever it was when it comes to, I won't go to a riot, but if you have something for peace, 
you know, I'll go some for that. You know, there's that awareness there. She may have not known, oh, that's a pendulum. I mean, it's just a word that's used. But it's more so about the idea of being more neutral. You don't want to fight something because when you fight it, you actually add energy to it. Yes. And let's bring Abraham into this. This is such a fun conversation. And this is bringing us to such fun co-creation. So let's also apply pendulums because, you know, you're in tra- reality transurfing. I still am an Abrahamster. So let's look at what Abraham's been saying from whole new lens of the pendulum. OK, oh, this is so fun. I talked about this in Flow with Intention last night and explained the difference. And you'll remember this, I'm sure, from intolerance, tolerance and allowing. Do you remember Abraham talking about allowing? They haven't talked about it as much lately, but it was a huge theme for them, especially early on. It was for sure. Allowing, I remember a lot of. Okay, so you guys, as you're thinking about this, I'm a vegan. I think that people shouldn't eat other animals. Let's describe Abraham as it applies to pendulums and then bring her back around. Okay, I have three options if I don't want to eat meat. There's one option where I prevent other people from eating meat too. So I, I like see someone with a hamburger and I go throw it out of their hands. I swipe it away, slap it away. Or I go start protesting at different restaurants like McDonald's so that they stop killing cows for the hamburgers, right? We can do something that's intolerant where we're actually trying to actively stop other people's behavior. The second way of doing it is tolerating, which means I'm not happy that other people are eating animals, but I'm not going to stop them from eating it, but I'm not happy about it. I'm not going to stop them, but I'm not happy at the same time. I'm judging it. I'm feeling bad about the fact that they are. It bothers me every day. Then there's Abraham saying what we've come to this planet to do, if you're interested in this work, is to learn the art of allowing. That's the third way. The third way is to Feel the joy in your alignment with not eating other animals and also feel joy while knowing other people are eating other animals. It's not taking your well-being away from you. You're not emoting based on their decisions for yourself. So you're still feeling good because you're in alignment with you, but you're no longer judging or taking yourself out of alignment because you're ta- when you feel bad about the other person eating the animal and they're eating the hamburger, when you're doing that, you don't feel good when you're in the tolerant level. The reason you don't feel good, this is Abraham 101, because your inner being is not judging them. You only feel bad when you're not in alignment with your inner intuition and your inner self. So that must mean if you're in the tolerant mode, whatever you're judging, your inner being or intuition is not judging. It's allowing the other person to have their experience without feeling bad at the same time. It doesn't mean it's right what they're doing, but it means your inner being is unwilling to feel bad about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. For sure. I think you explained that very well. Okay. So when we then look at the pendulum, let's bring it back to green eggs in the cafeteria. But obviously, guys, I'm really talking about politics here. I'm talking about veganism here. I'm talking about social justice here. I'm talking about all these things that people are all wrapped up in. But I'm going to use a very simple analogy of eggs in the cafeteria. I mean, there could be people right now that are like upset that I'm talking about eating eggs, right? The vegans. So anyways, we're just picking a simple example here. But when you're intolerant, you're fighting against. So when you're intolerant or you're tolerant, you're feeling bad, you're putting energy into the pendulum. When Abraham says you came here to learn the art of allowing, that sounds like a nice thing. Wouldn't it be nice if I didn't care so much? But also, 
that's when reality transurfing says stop empowering the pendulum stop putting your energy into this thing the reason on an abraham side is just they're saying allowing you're going to actually feel good and you'll attract more into your life that you want but reality transurfing would say you're no longer putting your energy into a thought form structure that a bunch of people are unconsciously connecting to you step out of the pendulum the minute you stop feeling bad because you're not pushing against anyone else exactly Ah, so good to be able to talk about allowing. Yeah, you said it very well. I'd I'd like to add to that. Yeah. Do you have anything else to build on it? It's mainly just understanding that the allowing is like our inner state of being. I like how you uh, kind of related that to the Abraham Hicks. So it's our inner state of being and understanding that as we don't focus on what we resist or on what we don't want, we allow ourselves to be in our natural vibrational state, which is of that allowing And we won't even perceive of a lot of the pendulums if we're not in the vibrational vicinity of experiencing it and perceiving of it. So, for example, there's a lot of times that I'll go to the gym or something and there'll be someone there that wants to talk to me about something that's going on in the world. And like, you didn't see this on the news. Like, you know, I should have, of course, known about this. And a lot of times I just don't perceive of certain things because I choose to not focus on it and to get emotionally tied in one way or the other. So therefore, it's not a part of my reality. You know, I just kind of have the awareness that a lot of what the news shares doesn't have to be something. It's a very small sliver of what's really happening in the world. And uh, because of that, I just don't focus on it. Therefore, it doesn't eat up my energy and take away from me growing my business, take away from me doing what I love with creating videos and traveling. So therefore, it allows me to really be in the highest vibrational state I can be in. And it allows me to not shift in a way from a reality transurfing point of view. I then wouldn't perceive of experiences that would line up with having more of those pendulums in my life because I'm not resonating with them as a charge as either positive or negative. It's just neutral because I'm not even paying I'm not even paying attention to it. And if I did see it, it wouldn't be very important to me and I would just see it as one potentiality. I'd be more observational of it than anything else and it wouldn't take my energy or suck my energy away. All right. So people hearing that, that can be hard to take for people that have the belief that everyone should know what's going on in the world. That's a that's a pendulum, by the way. The media is a pendulum. The belief that we need to know it. Now there's the opposite pendulum going. The opposing belief is that we don't need to pay attention. One thing to think about, and I'm not there yet, right? I'm not at the allowing state where I can watch it all and not necessarily have an emotional reaction that's going to send me off one way or the other. So A lot of times it is easier to just avoid the vibration altogether since we're not always there. But here's another way of looking at that that can help people understand why you're not a terrible human for not paying attention when that person's looking at you, judging you and being very intolerant of your behavior, right? So I call it the human cell theory. So imagine everybody is a cell in the human body. This is a way for us to understand this because the belief system is so ingrained in us, usually from such a young age, from our parents or people that we've met and respected that we've adopted it and then assume and push it on everyone else around us. So we're projecting our beliefs. And if we aren't seeing that other person adopt the same belief, then we then feel intolerant and feel terrible. So that person at the gym that's judging you, let's just pretend that this person actually is judging you. Now let's explain this from another level. Okay, so we have a hard time seeing it at the human level, but let's look at the human body and cells in the human body. Okay, Aaron, I'm going to pretend that you are an eyeball cell. Okay, so in the body, which is basically you're just this being of consciousness in the human race. So the human race or the species is the body, right? But you're a cell of that body of the human race and you're up in the eyeball. 
So your specialty is up there. Now, this person that's looking at you at the gym, they're a red blood cell, okay? So their cell function is very different than yours. And for the body to be healthy, we can't only have a body if we only have red blood cells, and we can't only have a body if we only have eyeball cells. We literally need tissue, we need skin, we need bone, we need so many different types of specializations for the body to be healthy. So when the red blood cell, whose job is to go rescue when it's needed, I think, isn't or platelets, let's say it's a platelet, like they go, their job is like when there's a cut, they go stop the bleeding, okay? Let's think of a cell that has that. When that's their their calling, their alignment, their inner being and intuition are leading them to those things. They feel so alive and and invigorated when they're doing those things. That's because they're in alignment with what they're supposed to be doing for the health of the body. And when they assume everyone else or every other cell in the body should be doing the same thing, then they start to mistake the fact that everyone's got their own gift and their own thing to be doing for the whole body to be healthy, everyone being upset about the fact that when I was little, I dropped an Etch-A-Sketch on my big toenail. It was horribly painful. I broke the toenail in half. I had to go to the emergency room. My parents were asleep at 6 a.m. It was just like an example of a really big pain. Now, if every single cell of my body empathized with my toenail, that did break and was hurting, if the whole body felt, if my eyeball cell felt as bad as my toenail felt in that moment, how would I feel versus just recognizing the toe was in pain? The entire body in that amount of pain, I don't even know if it could even survive. The entire body in an extreme amount of pain can't survive. The body survives by the wellness of the cells. And the more well cells there are, the less unwell cells there are. But if we're all emoting as a cell in the eye, like you are, about the toenail, if you're actually feeling as bad as the toenail, then the body is actually not healthy. So the platelets can get kind of pushy to other cells, but if they just recognize everybody's got their gift to bring to the table of life as a human cell and let everyone go do it and not make the entire world in pain because one part of the world is in pain, but those that are drawn and are in alignment with helping in that part of the world do go follow their intuition, the whole body will heal. The whole human race will heal. It's actually when those people are angry and upset that they're not feeling good either because they're upset about you, which is not helping the health of the body. Does that make sense? Oh, perfect. Once again, you explained it really well. I think that like the best thing sometimes that somebody can do when there's like a very negative situation going on is to remain in a good state of being that transmits that energy to other people where they can feel that happiness or it's like someone in the vortex in Abraham Hicks terms. It's like that's contagious. You know, you people in the vortex can help other people get into the vortex. So that does a lot more than somebody that is tunes themselves to the problem rather than the solution and starts talking about the details of it and it sucks them in and then from a reality transurfing point of view puts it into the pendulum and then their vibrational state goes down when as a collective consciousness point of view the more people that are remaining in that high vibe state actually has a more powerful effect on the collective than it does if everybody felt like the toe, like the analogy we're saying where every part of your body feels like the toe 
versus letting it do its job and then focusing on being in a great state of being at the other organs and the other part of the body. Yes, it goes back to individual alignment. So for me, for example, I have alignment personally in giving 10% of revenue for my company to build schools in areas that need structures and programming. So I have now so for example, I'm gonna be totally honest, guys. If I walk by someone on the street that needs money, I smile and I have compassion, not empathy. I don't need to feel as bad as they may be feeling. I have compassion for them. I share love with them, but I don't give them money. It's not in my alignment in that way. I already know I'm giving 10% of my revenue towards where my cell, where my intuition, and where my inner being is aligned. So I'm already living the function of my cell. Now, if it felt in that moment like giving money to the person, then I would follow that alignment of that moment. So I'm not saying I, I refuse to ever do that because it's always out of alignment. It's just moment to moment. I noticed that when I found alignment with what my current desire is, which is building these schools. We've now built three, funded three schools. It's almost $100,000 have gone to this. It's incredible to see. Now, the person might see me walk by that person and go, oh, what a selfish human. They didn't even give them a quarter. Well, that's because I have total alignment. The fact that like a thousand students are getting schooling where they didn't have the access to year-round education because of rainy seasons before they had these structures. So does this make sense? So if everybody just stops looking at everyone else and they all just follow their own alignment, because some people's alignment is when something terrible happens with a tornado or a devastation, they go give it the food, they go give the blood, they go do those things. When those cells act in alignment for them, the body's healthy and happy. When every cell is doing the thing for me, those people that are helping the rescue situations are not necessarily thinking about the kids in Guatemala, Ghana, and Laos that don't have access to education year-round. I feel aligned with helping and serving that community. So that's what I'm doing. There's no newscast. There's no terrible story about them. They're not in dire straits, but that's where I feel alignment in this moment within my inner being to serve. And I'm not taking myself out of alignment because I'm not serving in the million other ways there are to help the planet because I trust that the human race as a human body has the resources within the alignment of the individuals. And it's not worth me getting out of alignment, focusing on whether someone else is doing their alignment for them. I dig it. I love it. Okay. So let's talk about another term, Aaron, inner versus outer intention. Can you explain what that is? Yeah. In reality transurfing, there is something called inner intention, which is what we, a lot of us have understood to be kind of like our will to do something. If we have an inner intention to go and create something in our life, this would be like the Gary Vaynerchuk, take action type mindset and outer intention is more so than us trying to attract something or to intend for something to happen that's outside of us. The way that I see outer intention is more of understanding that in the same way, like you may want to attract someone into your life. I'll just use that analogy because I used it earlier. You can realize also that there's somebody else that wants to attract you into their life. So it's realizing that it kind of expands it out of the inner and it makes it a part of the whole process to realize that the universe may want you to experience you achieving your goals. And that's another part we might want to talk about just for a second when understanding intention and goals is with reality transurfing, the idea behind goals is that you want it to be connected to your heart, something that you're actually passionate about because outer intention has to do with being connected to the heart. The reason this is, so a lot of times we're kind of conditioned to 
have a goal of making a million dollars a year or some type of money, right? We want to, I want to make a hundred thousand, a million or whatever it is per year. That goal is not actually something that the heart can connect to. It's something that the head connects to because when the head, the mind sees a million dollars, it thinks, oh, the money equals the freedom because I can travel here. I can get this. I can live in this type of house. This is what it means. So the heart doesn't speak in the language of logic. So the idea is that what our goals must be for us to really tap into both inner and outer intention is our goals must be more so connected with our passion. And we can still have intentions to achieve a certain type of status, but the idea is to make what we focus on something that our heart can connect to. And that is also with the understanding that money isn't the goal in the sense that money is a side effect of us either adding value to other people or money is a side effect of us doing what we love. When we switch the way that we look at that around, you may find that things happen a much much easier in life because there's a lot less resistance for many people towards going for their goals, which are something they're actually passionate about versus just the idea of money, which the heart can't connect to. So outer intention is more so aligning with our hearts and realizing that us connecting to what we're really passionate about is best for the outer whole as well. So it's like that idea with the cell in the body. It's understanding that what we can do is also influence people in a powerful way, even though that appears to be outside of us, but it's us aligning with the universe and what the universe wants as well. That's why a lot of what I do is behind every video that I make, my intention going into it is to add value to other people. And I believe that one of the reasons my YouTube has grown quickly has been because it also aligns with the outer intention of people wanting to experience the other side of that, to get the benefit out of it. So it's almost like the universe wants me to do what I'm doing because it's helping the greater collective or it's you know helping people. And that's the way I look at it so that I'm able to tap into the inner intention of me wanting to grow spiritually, of me wanting nice things and traveling because that's what innerly I want. But also it's about understanding the outer intention of knowing that the universe wants me or whatever language we want to use, but wants me to do what I'm doing because it adds value to other people and it's connected to my heart. Whenever I'm connected to my heart and doing it from that point of view, it impacts the most amount of people in a powerful way. I love that. And you know what? As you were describing it, something clicked in for me, which he didn't explain as well as he probably could have. Why is the heart not interested in the money? Like you said, the heart, it has 40,000 neurons, so it does have its own center. It has its own separate thought system to the brain. So it has its own point of view, let's say. But the heart is activated by blood and the neural peptides that come down as well. It's most, it's, it's pumping blood, right? It's got a lot of cells in there that are activated by the neural peptides we are feeding it, by the emotional chemicals we're feeding it. The why for the money is because of the feeling. Abraham 101, the only reason you want something is for the feeling. The body, in the heart especially, has feeling more than thinking. The brain has less of the feeling. It has most of the thinking. It has mostly neurons rather than the heart with the feeling, the physical pumping of the blood. So the physical feeling of the neural peptides are so acutely felt at the heart level, that's the whole reason you want it anyways. The whole reason the brain wants it is for the good feeling it will feel in the body activated by those positive emotions. So you have to connect to the emotional why of the thing for the heart to be in alignment with it. It goes back to also like the HeartMath Institute of understanding how there's an intelligence. And I've heard you interview someone from the HeartMath Institute. 
And that's the idea. It's the electromagnetic energy in the heart is thousands of times more powerful than that of the head. Do you want to know why? Yeah, why? So our blood has hemoglobin, which is iron at the core of it. So the most iron is in the blood and the most blood is in the heart. Electromagnetic iron is magnetic. Wow. Yeah, I never thought of that. That makes sense, though. So electrical energy often comes from the head, like electro EKGs and all that stuff. Electropulse, electricity, is mostly, if you wanted to kind of like think of it, so the electrical pulses are coming from the upper, our brains, but the magnetic component strongest in the heart. But I think it's from the iron that's actually in the blood. Wow. You want to hear a fun fact? I've said this on the show a few times, but it's still fun to share. Where does iron come from? Is galaxies colliding. So we have stardust in our blood. It's so fun to think about how we're interconnected, but from such a physical and literal level that like literally we're pumping with stardust. Yeah, it gives a whole perspective to the microcosm, macrocosm. The same thing with the analogy you were using earlier as the cells in the body from a certain perspective we could see it as we are cells of a larger collective consciousness of the planet, which could be considered a body. So it's really cool to kind of just have that awareness and perspective and to see that there's, you know, that kind of pattern throughout the whole universe in some way, like we're made of this matter that's in the universe and it's all kind of interconnected. Oh my gosh. And then, so you may not know of this guy, but some of us, especially from anyone on the Christian bent may know Rob Bell, who I've loved and had on the show. He did this incredible talk where he described where, the evolution of things is from simple things to become more complex as they bond together. So atoms become molecules, molecules become cells, cells become life. And then, you know, like the cells becoming like more and more complicated structures, right? So when Jesus was describing the body of Christ, he may not have been speaking to a host, someone like a wafer, some priest is throwing up in the air. Obviously, that's symbolic in and of itself. But the body of Christ is not necessarily Jesus's body, like a physical bone and flesh. The body of Christ being the connection of consciousness among all humans or wow right body of christ so like when i say human cell theory insert like potentially body of christ wow so his level of consciousness though is so far beyond the people of his time the way that rob bell describes it in his speech everything is spiritual i think is what it's called everything is connected or everything is spiritual i think it is he says you know imagine the first atom that gets the bright idea and tells the other atoms around it, guys, if we bonded together, we could be chocolate. But it goes to a dead room because nobody knows what chocolate is. So they're all like, all right, weirdo. <laughs> and they go back to whatever they're doing because they don't have the consciousness, the capacity to see the bigger picture that first atom had before the formation of the molecule of chocolate. So when, like, for example, a Jesus or some other very evolved humans consciousness reaches a certain level of course the people that are underneath it that don't have the same level of consciousness interacting together they're going to bring their level of consciousness to whatever the thing is and we have to be aware of that even with super spiritually things right so like a lot of people are down on science a lot of people are down on religion we also have to recognize that as things like the plant medicines become more and more mainstream, the way that these things are disseminated and the people that are getting involved in them, it can also shift and evolve, which is good. Things aren't supposed to stay the same. Abraham says we're always expanding like the universe, but we have to also recognize and not judge, but just have the compassionate awareness that as different levels of consciousness interact with different things, even on the spiritual spectrum, that 
the level of the consciousness enacting the thing is going to reflect the product of them using that thing. So like all Christianity said not to kill, but how many people have been killed from it? Not because of the spiritual teaching said to, because the level of consciousness of the person interacting with it had a belief that was at that level of killing things. Yep. So interesting to think about. Oh my God, I love this. I feel like we could do a whole nother episode and go into more. Before we end, you kind of hinted at this before, and I'd love to hear you explain, going back to pendulums, for those that are in an office situation and they have a boss they don't necessarily agree with, how can they deal with the pendulum of the office politics and the importance they may have? How can they deal with that in a better way? So it'd be about being self-aware of the situation and just aware of the pendulums that are involved. So sometimes, uh, let's say, for example, we have a boss. And she is uh, maybe has a certain perspective under the upper management. And what we're doing is we have a better way of doing something. And we don't want to do it the way they told us to do it because we have a better way. Well, what we could be aware of is the different dynamics that are involved. And we can kind of go through the motions of saying what we think would be a better way, maybe saying it in a certain way like a uh, Stephen Covey type, the Successful Habits book, like doing it in a certain way. But at the same time, be aware that if we give it excess meaning or excess potential or we create resistance and then that will be kind of reflected, that person, that boss, she'll feel that off of us. So the key to this is being aware going into it. And if you play along with it, it's okay if you are aware of it. So for example, the boss, she says that you have to, you know, well, actually we have to do it this way. You can still go about it in a way, even though it might feel a little bit incongruent to you. But the idea is if you go about it and you don't get angry about it, you don't resist it, and you just kind of go through it with being aware of the pendulum, it won't actually suck you in. I know that the job that I had before I did YouTube full-time, there was so much politics involved, and you'd hear gossip, and people were always talking in different departments about it. And towards the end of it uh, that I was there, I just became so much more self-aware and so much more detached. And, you know, I did what I had to do to, you know, not cause any waves or anything, even though I was kind of like a rebel in the system of itself. But I learned how to play along and how to get by by not giving anything excess meaning, excess potential. But by being aware of it, it did not have power over me. If something happened, I wasn't like it was no doom and gloom or any ego really involved with it of me, like, you know, resisting it. It's more so about just being aware of the different power dynamics that might be involved, letting them be there and playing along, but also putting your intention in there if you want to change something or speaking your voice or whatever it is. But as long as you're not resisting, if you're not resisting it, you're not adding energy to it, therefore creating more of it. So more of that resistance and more experiences that could kind of reflect that. So I'd say that that's kind of something that we can also be aware of is just be aware of the different dynamics and observe it and not let it have power over us as we go through the process. Yeah, the very simple phrase, what you resist persists. And what happens is you stay, Abraham, inserting this analogy to this would be when you feel bad every day going to work because you are resisting what's happening, you're feeling bad every day and you're at the level of that problem. So a new opportunity for a job that's way better than where you're at is very unlikely to be found because you're not going to have access from that low state of being. But once you stop resisting what's happening like you did, you shore up your vibration emotionally to a stronger place and you're no longer acting into the 
fighting of something, right? So you also weren't fighting. If you were fighting the system, you'd stay stuck in the system to keep fighting it. But when you stop fighting it, then you have the ability to leave it. Then you have your power back. That's one of the things that they do talk a lot about is the amount of energy regain in yourself when you're no longer playing the pendulum. Or like you said, if you're aware of the pendulum and your awareness will also de-escalate your amount of energy you're pouring into it. Yeah, it's similar to also, I remember one thing that I've seen work really well with people is if they want a new job and they're not happy with where they are, it's kind of like a think and grow rich mentality. The idea is that if you want a new job, instead of kind of resisting the job you're in, more than fill your present space of where you are, and what you do is you kind of just you know embody that more of, you add more value than you're expected to, and as you do that, you elevate yourself to another level. It could be that you're a client that you're helping, notices how of a, much of a positive attitude you have and they love your mentality and then just circumstances arise for you to get out of that job and into something else, but you more than fill your present space and as you do that, you bring yourself up to another level more so than if you resist it and you don't are not happy with where you are, then what happens is that energy that you're putting out will only be equal to the kind of experiences you can have on the outside. So it's about changing that inner meaning that you give to the situation that you're in going about it with a different energy, that different intention with that action. And then that's when everything changes. I love that you said that because I know someone here in Australia who doesn't like their day job. They're working on a side business and they go to work two days a week because they still use that income for their lifestyle. So going to that place for them, they go and they don't pour in nearly their potential. Now, with that, their energy is resisting the situation. So you, like you said, they had two choices. They could either overfill with abundance, that role, or they could be neutral, go fill it out, but you're not being drained by it. But unfortunately, this person is being drained because they're resisting it. Because they're resisting it, they're draining their energy. If they were neutral to it, or they actually counterintuitively were pouring energy positively in it, here's the result as they resist it. They're not putting in their potential every day they go there. And guess what they do when they cut home? They sleep for six hours. They have zapped all of their energy from that experience. If they actually poured some energy in, it's kind of like the counterintuitive nature of exercise. Instead of having less energy, people tend to have more energy if they're not doing it to a point of excess. So when this person is resisting, instead of just showing up neutrally or even positively, the resistance is so great by the end, the only way they can rebalance the high beta and the draining experience of that is to actually sleep. So they have less energy counterintuitively to pour into their business. So people that think, oh, I'm pouring all my energy into my business instead of my job because I want that to succeed, recognize and just self-reflect. Are you actually gaining more energy by saving that? Or you could be like my friend who's actually losing energy because they're not living their potential where they are. Perfectly said. Anything you would say for someone that just wants to have a quick takeaway from this conversation to start applying today? It would be to start setting more intentions, set more intentions, have like a kind of like, I mean, Tony Robbins would call it more of an outcome, but also to do more so of that, I'd say like more of the segment intendings with that of like Abraham Hicks type mentality. The idea is that we give the meanings to the things in our life. And if we give things some type of positive meaning, we will get that effect out of it. So it's about having that awareness that in the moment of whatever we decide to do, there are two different life tracks, so there's an infinite number of different life experiences we could have from that choice that we make in the present moment, and to choose ones that we actually prefer. So it's to have that direction, that intention in a way is like direction. If we don't have an intention, 
uh, in general. It's kind of like being on a boat with no sail. It's like we're just going to kind of remain stagnant. So it's about having more of that intention, understanding that our thoughts and our choices are what are kind of choosing the kind of experiences that we have that more so than us trying to create our own reality from the point of view of reality transurfing, it's about choosing from in the moment, choosing the different parallel realities or the different realities of what you want to experience. Now, the nice thing about this is that it makes it easier because there's a lot of strain that comes from having to create something like it's not a natural byproduct of us just kind of we're you know, constantly shifting through different parallel realities. And I know that sounds a little bit esoteric, but the idea is that it's so much easier than we make it. This is when Abraham Hicks talks about allowing versus controlling. And I would say that it can be a lot easier. The major game changer that I got from reality transurfing and that I'm starting to learn and integrate into my teachings is that it doesn't have to be as hard as you make it. The last time I came onto the show, my energy was much more Gary Vaynerchuk style. Yes, I noticed that. And I was always like, I am not like, that but he is and that's great it seems like he's feeling happy about it yeah and it was it was kind of like that's just where I was at at the moment because I've been rewarded so much for it right like I I was taking action with doing my passion full-time I was making a lot more money than I've ever made I was yeah I got rid of that day job that I had and now I was doing what I love full-time I've been rewarded you know my YouTube channel exploded when I started taking action so because of that that's what I was promoting. But now there's a different level that is above that. And that different level is understanding that it can be easier. It can be more about allowing. And when you get to that place, that's when you are able to let go of the outcome because then you're attracting things for the sake of your happiness, like the idea of attracting more instead of money, attract the feeling of what that money would bring you and embody it right now in the present moment. So it's kind of like I had it flipped for a while. I was so focused on the exterior and now it's more about the internal state of being while I do those things and it's a totally different energy field now and that's why things are happening more easily than ever and there's more opportunities in my life than ever before and I think it's specifically because I've changed my energy and it's more so I'm allowing than ever before and that's something that both Abraham Hicks has helped me do but also reality transurfing. What a beautiful thing too to not get stuck in the trap of if I press this lever I get this result to start realizing oh there might be a way more powerful switch that I'm not even aware of and to not get trapped because I think people that find those results can often get so stuck there that they think that's as far as it is. Actually, this is such an interesting parallel in like so many ways that I've shared on the show. Like we've said pre-rational, rational, trans-rational, or I've said pre-sensitive to food, sensitive to food, trans-sensitive to food, where you don't have to stay stuck with or empathy versus tr like no empathy, empathy, compassion, right? We can transcend. We can transcend these middle points. I think a lot of people have been thinking these middle points are the end. And I'm not saying that even where what the ones I'm noticing are the ends are the ends. Like there may be a fourth thing to all of these elements we're not even aware of as consciousness evolves. But it's so cool to see Yeah, efforts just a path, but it's just a passing through. It's not the end, just like empathy is not the end because you actually feeling as unhealthy as the cell that's unhealthy is not making a healthy body. You got nothing else to help the other cells. The body doesn't thrive when everyone feels as bad as the worst cell. It's by having compassion for that other cell and doing what you can to help from a healthy place. That's what makes the body healthy. So you to be able to transcend, especially as a male that has been in the personal development space where there are so many men promoting that pushing mentality. It's so cool. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate it. That's, it's something that's, um, 
it's been like two or three months now since I've been really letting it sink in and practicing it more so than just theorizing about it. But I definitely notice a big difference. And uh, it's something I'm going to continue to teach as much as I can and kind of share my experience with it. Have you seen better results? Because I think also women, I think, have an innate, sometimes, depending on the woman, and it's more energetics, right? It's like yin energy tends to have more awareness of like, okay, guys, like this, this whole yang thing, it's there, but it's not the only switch on the panel. So what I want to know, because of all the young, happy people, which is great, it's wonderful. It's just you want to have that energy first, the alignment before the action. So have you noticed, because I just found, okay, if this is the the, big, the bigger switch, I want to jack up my alignment as much as possible and see if I can create with my consciousness as much. So I t- I'm actually playing with how little action can I take by just leveraging the alignment factor alone. It's just more fun for me right now to do that. That might switch in the future. But right now, I want to see, can I not work out and have the body I want? Can I not do things people see? Yeah. So anyways, with you, I want to know. So you have been playing with this. Have you seen the results follow? Because anyone that's been recognizing they get results with the action might question, yeah, you're feeling better, Aaron, but are you getting results too? Yeah, all the way around. I'd say I'm not sure if it's inner intention or outer intention, but it's like just opportunities. It's the energy underneath what I'm doing that's really changed. And with that, it's like even though some of the actions are kind of the same, it's I'm getting a totally different result. So like, for example, I go to the gym every day and now I'm getting better results than ever before. And it's like it's I'm not doing as much as I used to do at the gym. I used to go to the gym and I'd be there for like an hour and a half probably every single day. And now it's like I'm there for 45 minutes to an hour and I'm getting better results because it's more aligned and it's there's less of that. I don't know how to explain it really, but it's just there's so much more alignment there and intention that it's kind of happening in a much easier way. When it comes to opportunities with business, it's like the energy that's coming from it's like I'm not coming at it like I desire it, like I don't have it. I'm doing it as if it's like already my reality. So I've had people reach out to me that I never thought would really reach out to me. You know, I have opportunities like to travel to all these places and just vlog it for my YouTube channel, stuff like that. And I feel like those things are happening because it's in alignment with what I'm doing. It's like I'm actually, you know, I'm not necessarily reaching out to a whole bunch of different places saying, hey, can I come do this and come to your resort and stay there and I'll vlog it for you. It's like they're coming to me. And I think that one of those reasons is because I've switched it around and I've started to already feel like I have that which I want and I imagine myself already there. So it's just a different level of alignment. And because of that, it's like more leveraged in a way, even though I'm not taking more action the action that I am taking is higher vibrational. Amen. I love that. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show. And hopefully we'll have you on again to talk about some of these other terms we haven't even gotten to. Yeah, I very, very appreciative uh, that you had me on today. And I always have a good time when I come on your show. And I want to thank you for everything you do. I listen to your show quite often. And I think that what you're sharing is helping a lot of people. And I, I really dig it. Oh, and I love your channel too. I love that. Thank you. And there you have it. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show again, and thank you for listening. If you want to send Aaron a message, you can do so over on Instagram at Aaron underscore Doty 44. And Aaron's A-A-R-O-N underscore Doty 44. And if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C as in Crystal Water Lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash Aaron Doty 2. And if you want to find our original episode together, you can go to JessLively.com slash Aaron Doty.
Now for what I'm up to next, the coffee table in Chateau Lively is here. It makes it feel remarkably more homely just having this coffee table in the space. It's also black marble, which adds a little bit of depth and ties into the painting on the back wall behind the sofa. So it's so exciting to see that piece in. And really, this is about the three-month mark of me being in this apartment. And it's so cool to see that having moved here with a suitcase, how things have come together. I've also realized I have, you know, a handful of pieces of furniture and mostly a bunch of plants and some rocks being crystal. So anyways, it's all the things I visualized all those months of travel, thinking about how I'd like to decorate my home. It's so cool to see that the plants, crystals, candles, and baskets dream that I have has come true and it continues to unfold. This week, I'm waiting for a console table to come, and that's really going to add a little bit of function and, again, a little bit more of a homely feel to the place. But otherwise, it's really getting close to being in its first stage of completion, shall we say. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. Today.